We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire and all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. We're coming to you live from Levi Stadium after another practice of 49ers training camp. We're on another three practice stretch. We're going to have a podcast coming to you for three days in a row. One today, one Saturday, and one Sunday. Now, you will either hear from me uh, a little later on the same day or uh, at the very latest the next morning. So, got a nice three-day stint coming at you guys. Um, Today was uh, a little on the warmer side. Um, I feel like we have to keep make the the fight thing an update every time. No fights, (laughs) no scuffles after that one Tuesday that kind of boiled over. Uh, it seems like after after every practice, I have to make sure I clarify whether or not there was a fight or not. But Kyle Shanahan did talk about the fights uh, a little bit, and we'll get to that shortly. Um, and today was a good back and forth between the offense and the defense. Now, you know, Javon Kinlaw uh, wasn't out there. No word on him. I don't, I don't believe he was injured. It's probably just a day off. Um, Nick Bosa, uh, like, fell on the ground a couple times in, like, two or three – in a span of, like, two or three reps, and then didn't end up really taking – much part of team drills for the rest of practice. Um, I don't believe he's hurt. He at no point was ever moving gingerly or whatever. I just think maybe, maybe a coach was like, Hey man, you're being hella goofy today. Let's just, uh, let's give you the rest of the day off. I'm not sure. It just seemed like after those first, uh, the team periods kind of kicked off and he fell over a couple of times that he, uh, he just wasn't out there as much, but again, don't think that's a big deal at all. Obviously, if we hear something, it'll be spread far and wide. So um, the first order of business today for practice was going to the press room and hearing from Kyle Shanahan, who began that press conference by talking about the fact that Marcus Johnson, the receiver that was involved in the the second fight. So I, I, I've talked about it a couple of times, but just in case you're kind of just hearing about it, just joining us. 
Um, now, again, I said this before too. I thought it was Aziz Elshire that lowered his shoulder against Marcus Johnson, kind of a blindside hit. Um, uh, there's other riders that think it was Fred Warner, and and it could have been. I'm not saying I'm right. It very well could have been Fred Warner that lowered his shoulder, but a linebacker lowered his shoulder, hit Mark. It was like a blindside hit. Marcus Johnson was trying to catch the pass, and linebacker popped him right in the head, and Marcus Johnson immediately went down to his knee, and I think he eventually ended up laying on his back. And while that was happening, everybody started fighting over the fact that you know, a 49ers linebacker just took a cheap shot at a receiver. And Brandon Ayuk was the first was one of the first people to run out there. And then from what I thought I saw, Fred Warner then came sprinting out of nowhere to to continue scrapping it up with Brandon Ayuk, which at the time was their second fight in that practice. So Kyle Shanahan obviously wasn't thrilled that kind of a shitty decision led to a player becoming injured in the concussion for Marcus Johnson. You didn't, the linebacker didn't have to take that cheap shot. It was a little dirty and Kyle Shanahan saw that, knew that I'm sure the team has already talked about it. He might've even talked about it with the linebacker that did it. And he wasn't, I mean, he did say that he appreciated the intensity and everything that comes with kind of the fights. Obviously players are playing with an edge, but he just brought up all the obvious points about why you just can't really get into that mentality because, you know, one, he said punches got thrown during the fight, but everybody's wearing a helmet. So you just end up with broken hands, which whether it's a linebacker or a receiver, doesn't matter. A broken hand is not what anybody needs at the start of training camp and right before they kick into the preseason. Um, you know, and if you look at that from a game perspective, you start throwing punches, you are ejected from the game. So there, it's easy to see where Kyle Shanahan's coming from and the fact that he can appreciate the fact that players are playing with a little bit of passion, but it's also very easy to see his point in the fact that there's nothing really good that can come from fighting. He understands the shit-talking. He understands of trying to push the opposing players to their limits, trying to take yourself to that limit, You know, whatever gives you an edge, kind of like that Michael Jordan mentality, like I'm going to find whatever I can find to get me to play at a level that nobody can match. And that's kind of what he was alluding to. But he says, you, you obviously say you just can't cross that line. You can't get ejected. You can't get 15 yard penalties. You can't cost the team just because you have a desire to, you know, express your frustration in what's more than acceptable. One thing that I thought was interesting is he seemed very, Understanding, I guess you could say, he, he clearly knew why Brandon Ayuk went out there. And and again, I, I, the way this whole situation has evolved, I want to say maybe I missaw and it was Fred Warner that put on the hit. But I know that one of the first people to react to it, even though he wasn't in the play, was Brandon Ayuk. And Kyle Shanahan seemed very, I wouldn't say impressed because that's kind of contradicts contradicts what he's been saying. But he, he did seem to really empathize with the receiver and Brandon Ayuk and saying, like, no, I, I, I understood why he went out there. And it was just, uh, it was, it's kind of just been interesting how that situation's unfolded, especially given it was between two leaders of the team in Brandon Ayuk, Fred Warner, and kind of just the general fallout from it, the questions that have been asked, you know, the injury in Marcus Johnson. And so it's, it's just been an interesting scenario that the team has had to work through. I wouldn't say it was a huge deal, but it definitely seems like it has allowed everybody to learn just a little bit. Uh, again, I'm not blowing the situation up to where making it seem like those fights were just a massive deal, but it has been cool to see 
how everybody's handled that situation, learn from it. You know, I do think it's interesting that we haven't heard from Brandon Ayuk or Fred Warner since the fight. So we'll see. Maybe that's maybe that's coming soon. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was asked about Brandon Ayuk, which if Grant ended up asking the question, and if he didn't ask the question, I was going to ask the question, and that was, what do you feel about how, how do you feel about Brandon Ayuk? You know, when you think about what happened to Ayuk last season. Started out strong in the offseason, apparently tapered off. Kyle Shanahan wasn't happy with him at the start of the year. And then as the year went on, he steadily improved, whether that was his play on the field or his mindset. And you could hear other players mentioned it. I remember Trent Williams mentioning it, Jimmy Garoppolo mentioning Brandon Ayuk's mindset and how he's improving. And so Kyle Shanahan was asked about it. And Kyle Shanahan just kind of lit up. You know, you can he perked up when he was asked about Brandon Ayuk. And he just talked about, you know, how far he's come, the fact that he's having one of the better off seasons of any 49ers player. And I would think that it's probably kind of Ayuk's ascension. And now we're still in the offseason. He's got to do it in the regular season. But I would think that Ayuk's improvement is is just music to Kyle Shanahan's ears. And it probably makes him very proud to know that those two have had a lot of conversations together, some of them probably not so positive. But Brandon Ayuk has seemingly found his way through it and come out better on the other side. You know, I I don't I wouldn't I don't think a lot of players survive Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. <laughs> you know, let alone come out of it and, and be better for it. And maybe I'm maybe I'm way off there. And that's probably the point of the doghouse. It just don't, doesn't always work like that. It doesn't always, you know, players don't aren't robots. They don't always respond to coaching the same. So. Brandon Ayuk seems like he's responded well to Kyle Shanahan's criticisms and whatever conversations those two had uh, last year because he's just, I mean, he's been one of, if not the best player in 49ers training camp so far. It was just cool to see Kyle Shanahan's reaction like, yeah, uh, Brandon's doing the right thing. So uh, speaking of Brandon's, uh, another Brandon was in the press conference room and Brandon Marshall Obviously, and Brandon Marshall, by the way, I mean, I don't know what he's listed at on the interwebs, but he is a big ass dude. Like he is massive. And I can see why he was so difficult to cover because that dude is huge. I was, I, I walked right. Yeah. I mean, he's listed at six, five, so six, five is huge. And I walked in through the, uh, the security checkpoint right behind him and was just like, I instantly recognized him, but just was like blown away at how much bigger he was than I thought he was. So Brandon Marshall was in the press conference. And what was funny is while Brandon Marshall was in there, he was with his uh, I Am Athlete. Uh, I think he was with Adam Pacman Jones. They were both there. And while Brandon Marshall's sitting there, Kyle Shanahan gets asked about Jimmy Ward. And I kind of looked over it at Brandon Marshall. And and while Kyle Shanahan was talking about Jimmy Ward, Brandon Marshall just kind of had a little smirk on his face. Nothing crazy, just a little smirk. So I was like, I wonder what Brandon Marshall is thinking about while Kyle Shanahan talks about Jimmy Ward. And if you go back to 2014, I believe it's 2014, right? The first year at Levi's Stadium. I believe their home opener was against the Chicago Bears. And the 49ers had just drafted Jimmy Ward, who was playing a rookie, playing slot corner 
and got absolutely torched by Brandon Marshall for what I believe was three touchdowns. And obviously that game stuck with Jimmy Ward for quite some time. I mean, that you can you can still see fans mentioning that to this day. Now, obviously, things have turned out fantastic for Jimmy Ward. He's, uh, you know, turned into a, an, an absolutely terrific safety, a team leader. He's been on the 49ers for nine years. I think this is his ninth season. So it's not like, you know, kicking a dog while it's down or anything. Jimmy Ward turned out just fine. But it was just interesting to see that dynamic of Brandon Marshall watching Kyle Shanahan talk about Jimmy Ward, the player that he eviscerated in Jimmy Ward's rookie year. Um, and Brandon Marshall ended up ended up asking a question. It was really kind of unique. He, you know, he introduced himself, and it was clear that Kyle Shanahan already knew who he was. Introduced himself and asked Kyle Shanahan, you know, he kind of said that, you know, when I played for your dad, he had this, whenever we were in a tight spot, he had this go-to play where he would, you know, essentially have Brandon Marshall in the slot and he would have him run whatever route it was. And he, that would be their go-to. And he asked Kyle Shanahan, what's your go-to? Kyle Shanahan basically said, he's like, well, it depends on the coverage. But what ended up being his answer was the exact same play that Brandon Marshall described his father having a go-to was also Kyle Shanahan's go-to play in a tight spot. Um, Kyle Shanahan just said it, he would probably switch it up in the fact that that slot receiver would have like an option route, like whether it's inside or outside. And then he wanted to give that player options. So that was kind of a cool dynamic. Um, Adam Pacman Jones asked Kyle Shanahan kind of who or who's been an inspiration to him going up. I think he was kind of asking for a player, but Kyle Shanahan just ended up saying his dad. And that makes perfect sense. I mean, he spent so much time with his dad and started finding coaching with him under coaching under him in Washington. So it was a really interesting press conference with Kyle Shanahan. He was just really, um, it was just entertaining. He was really open about it. The one thing I forgot to mention about Brandon Ayuk is when Grant asked the question, he asked it in a way of like Brandon Ayuk finding his voice and kind of becoming a leader with the team. Kyle Shanahan said Brandon Ayuk was notoriously quiet when he first got here. And now he's getting to the point where he says his, says hi to the owner, Jed York, every now and then. And Jed York was like, holy shit, Brandon Ayuk's talking to me. What's going on? Kyle Shanahan said that Brandon Ayuk would start to come into his office and just stand there and stare at him. And then he would eventually say hi. But he just like he just painted this picture of Brandon Ayuk just being this unquestionably awkward and quiet kid that just comes into his office and stares at him until Kyle says hi and decides to carry on a conversation. It was really funny. I, I mean, I watch a lot of like comedy, a lot of cartoon, like comedy, just like family guy type stuff. And it just seemed like some type of moment out of a show where you look up and he's just standing there. This is a really obscure reference, but you have uh, monsters university when they've got that band of kind of uh, goofy, you know, misfit monsters that actually start doing well. And you have the one monster that always scares the shit out of Mike Wazowski because he just ends up standing right next to him and he never says anything until somebody notices him. Well, that to me just reminds me of how Kyle described Brandon Ayuk. Just he would just come stand next to him in his office until Kyle noticed. Um, that was what I mentally pictured it in my head. So it had me laughing. All right, let's get to the practice. It's already been too long. Trey update, Trey Watch 2022. Uh, a pretty good day for Trey Lance. Very efficient. 
it was a very Jimmy Garoppolo-esque practice for Trey Lance. He completed most of his passes. I believe he was like 9 of 13, somewhere around there. He didn't have very many incompletions. Um, and even his com- incompletions, I noticed, were smart, safe, not really a problem incompletions. Um, I mean, he had Jamichael Hasty on a real route who was well covered by uh, Al Shair. And it, he just kind of tossed it over him. There was really not very much of a way that Trey Lance could have fit that ball in there. So it was kind of like an incomplete mix with the throwaway. Um, Jamichael Hasty was not open. And so Trey Lance just kind of dumped it off over the top of him. Wasn't wasn't really a pass that Hasty could have caught. I and mean, he wasn't really in a position to catch a pass. Um, you had another one uh, from Malik Turner where uh, uh, Trey Lance – it's a pretty good – Good play by Trey Lance. I don't remember him avoiding too much pressure, but he just kind of sidearmed it, fired it over the middle, and there were defenders around, so he fired in there pretty quick, and Malik Turner just dropped it. It was a great pass. Uh, nothing wrong with and And that's why it's always hard to – you shouldn't take in, uh, completion percentages from training camp that seriously. You have two incompletions right now where – you know, Jamichael Hasty just wasn't open, and, and it was kind of looked like Trey had already gotten to his last option, so he just kind of threw it away. And then you had a drop pass from Link Turner that was actually impressive, an impressive play when it came to Trey Lance. So it's it just goes to show you that completion percentage isn't exactly just painting this, this perfect picture of what a quarterback's doing out there. Um, another incompletion was a deep shot to Debo Samuel, who was well covered by Emmanuel Mosley. And it kind of just seemed like Debo wasn't running at full speed, whether he thought the ball went to somebody else or he thought the ball was more overthrown than it was. Now, the ball landed about three yards in front of Debo Samuel. Could he have gotten under it? Maybe. Uh, I will testify myself that although you always feel like you are running your absolute fastest when you're running a route, there's something about seeing the ball in the air and knowing it's your time to catch it that kind of just brings out this little more speed in you. Like you could just turn on another gear because you can see the target. You've got to get there if you want to make the play. And it, and it seemed like Debo was either um, a touch slow or just wasn't run, just didn't just, you know, felt the ball went somewhere else. Now, again, it, it probably could have been a better pass from Trey Lance. The one thing, critique I would give Trey Lance in a lot of his passes, at least the ones that, you know, when a quarterback throws a pass, some of them you want to be very direct. You want them to be on a line, on a rope, you know, a laser right to where they need to be. But some of them you want to hang in there a little bit, and particularly if that's a deep pass. Now, you don't want it to underthrow to where – I'm not saying you underthrow it to where the DB has a chance to get it, but the, the higher you can put that ball while it's still getting to where it needs to be, the better because it just allows the receiver to make those subtle adjustments in speed to get to where the ball is. And – a lot of the deep balls that Trey throws are kind of like they're not on a line. They're not ropes, but they're somewhere in between. They're very direct, deep passes that, to me, there's just not a lot of room for air. Either the receiver is going to catch the ball because it's perfectly thrown by Trey Lance, or and that's it. There's no adjustment a receiver can make to a deep pass that's thrown with a lot of velocity and not a lot of arc. I mean, how many times have you guys seen Russell Wilson throw a deep pass that just goes out of the camera and the receiver's just able to get right underneath it and make a play? And that's kind of what I'm talking – I just think that 
Trey Lance needs to just put a little more air under his deep passes, and he should probably have more success. And what's interesting is during one-on-ones, um, he does put quite a bit of air under the passes. So maybe it was just a matter of pressure, and Trey Lance just felt like he needed to get the ball out, so he just kind of gunned it towards Debo Samuel. A lot of context, you know, a lot of stuff that could have gone into that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, And then the last incompletion he had uh, was kind of another one that was very similar to the Jamichael Hasty one earlier where he had Ty Davis Price in the flat, took... Ty Davis a little bit long to kind of get his head around. And by that time, Trey Lance was already being pressured. So he just kind of chucked it over the top of uh, TDP's head. And that was that. So those are your incompletions. Those four incompletions. Um, two, at least two of them could have been avoided. You know what I mean? So it's maybe not could have been avoided. But I would say that two or three of those aren't even really a knock on Trey Lance. So it's. You know he's he's played well. He, there weren't really any touchdowns thrown by Trey Lance. They just never really got to the end zone. You know they were rarely do the 49ers. The 49ers don't do a move the ball period where they actually move. They did one today, but they don't do one very often where the ball actually is moved and there's a first down marker. And then they they've only done red zone one time. So uh, not throwing a touchdown isn't the same as in a game because you're not moving the ball. In order to throw a touchdown in training camp during most scenarios, it has to be like an explosive. What what in a game would be like an explosive play, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 yard touchdowns, more than much more than 30, at least 50 yard, because it has to be a huge play because the offense is always operating from like the 30 yard line, the far 30. So not, not hearing about touchdown passes is not really a big deal in the 49ers normal team drill setup, if that makes sense, because they're always just around the 30 yard line. And in order to throw a touchdown, it has to be what in a game would be just a massive play. So uh, Trey took what the defense gave him all day. You know, he, he, he hit George Kittle at least a few times, um, these little eight to 10 yard little chunk plays. And, and I was perfectly fine with that, especially given what Trey Lance knows the defense is coming at him with. He has gotten better at processing quickly. Uh, Tarverius Moore said in the press conference today that he can tell that Trey Lance is getting quicker, processing faster, making a decision faster, and just getting the ball out so that you know he doesn't create a sack on his own by just holding on to it or being indecisive. So it was a very encouraging practice for Trey Lance. Uh, his best pl- pass came on a play where he was pressured on the edges 
So we bounced up through the middle and then fires a pass to Ray Ray McLeod. I'm kind of like a deep crosser. When I say deep crosser, think like a player starting on the right side of the offense and then just kind of generally starts bending. Sometimes they're called benders. They're bending their way across the defense to the opposite side of the field. And Trey Lance just fired one into Ray Ray McLeod, who um, never had to break stride or slow down at all. It was a perfect pass. Traverius Ward was right behind him. Ray Ray McLeod, since it, the, since it didn't require he slow down at all, uh, Ray Ray McLeod caught it and then turned it upfield for another 10 to 15 yards, maybe 20. Overall, the whole play was probably about a 40-yard play. Uh, and it was just impressive from all the way down to Trey Lance stepping up in the pocket, avoiding pressure, firing a pinpoint pass, pinpoint pass to a receiver that was running very fast across the field, um, being covered by a very good corner. Uh, it was just an impressive play all around. Definitely Trey's most um, impressive throw of the day. And, I, and, you know, and the last thing to note on Trey Lance is no turnovers. Again, I don't think he's had a turnover since Monday. So that's Tuesday and Wednesday's practice, and this is Friday's practice. And we'll see how Saturday and Sunday go. But Trey Lance has not had a turnover uh, for most of this week. So, you know, we'll just, we'll just take a guesstimate in about, you know, 40 throws. Trey Lance hasn't had a turnover. Um, I believe he had one on Monday that was a, a very tight and contested interception in and of itself. So um, taking care of the football, taking care of the football. Training camp standouts, training camp standouts. The run game to me stood out a lot today. Um, Elijah Mitchell, I think he broke one between Aaron Banks and Trent Williams. That would have gone for probably at least 40 to 50 yards. Um, Jimmy Ward seemed like he ran down. Elijah Mitchell, uh, but at the same time, it was one of the, I, I don't know how hard Elijah Mitchell was running. I don't know how hard Ward was running. It very well could have been a touchdown from Mitchell. Uh, in that case, it would have been, like I said, if you have a touchdown in the way the 49ers set up training camp, it's at least 60 to 70 yards. So it just depends on where they're running the ball from there. So really, really impressive run from Mitchell, who – as of now, is unquestionably the number one guy. He has been since training camp. I mean, we we learned that much last year, last season, that he's the guy. But, I mean, he, he has been. If the first team offense comes out there for the start of, of the team drills, it's Mitchell. He's had good runs. He's looked explosive. Uh, he's, he's a viable pass catcher. He, he really does bring bring it all to the table. And he's been, he's been very well. And he, he looks... He doesn't look noticeably bigger, but he does look stout and he does look strong. And which that's what's kind of interesting about the 49ers running backs as a whole. Between Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, and Ty Davis Price, even Jordan Mason, the undrafted guy, and we know what Jeff how Jeff Wilson Jr. plays. It is a hard-nosed groups of running backs that enjoy contact and have no problem running over people, hitting people, bump, whatever you want to call it. That's a pretty impressive group of running backs. And I don't think any one guy is just head and heels better than the rest. I mean, if you had to pick one, you would obviously say Elijah Mitchell. But they've all been pretty strong. Elijah, uh, Mitchell had that massive run. Uh, like a, I mean, we could just call it 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever you want to call it. 
I mean, be positive. We'll just say it was uh, a 90-yard touchdown, whatever it was. Um, And then Ty Davis-Price had a really good run where he kind of broke it through the middle, and a linebacker was kind of pursuing him from right to left. Uh, This is right to left. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, from the defense's side, you know, the defense is right, defense is left. He was kind of pursuing him, cutting left, and TDP just kind of put on the brakes and jumped cut to the left, the opposite direction the linebacker was pursuing from, and just sent that linebacker flying. Uh, just teleported to the left and kept going. I mean, it was only about a maybe a 20-yard run, but that cut in and of itself was super impressive and very quick, very explosive, and uh, I, I was impressed with the run game. Now, one thing I also want to say, too, is Trey Sermon's been pretty impressive, too. He's looked ready. He's looked quick. He's looked pretty decisive. He's looked physical, and that's what I mean when I say these, this group of running backs is is – it's chippy, and they're going to wear a lot of people down. And it's almost there may be a chance that Kyle Shanahan is approaching the run game like we've talked about, the defensive line approaching their game, where it's just waves of physicality meant to wear down their opponents. And that's almost what it seems like the, the 49ers have with the run game. So – It'll be interesting to see how they're utilized in a game setting. I'm not really talking preseason. I don't really know how that realistic that's going to be. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers were aiming to give, like, let's say they ran the ball 40 times in a game. That's that's quite a bit. You know, maybe you could say 30, whatever. But it wouldn't surprise me if it was like 35, 30. 25 for like Mitchell, Ty Davis Price, and Trey Sermon. And and maybe, you know, a Jeff Wilson Jr. earns a little bit bigger percentage, but it really does seem like a, a, a true running back by committee. Now, again, I could be completely off on that, and Elijah Mitchell could get 20 carries, and then the next best guy gets five. But it, it, it to me, it seems like from what I've seen from these running backs, it would really benefit the 49ers to spread that out so Mitchell's not enduring as much physical contact as he did last year. But again, Mitchell does have that pass-catching prowess that is a little better than the rest of the running backs, minus Jamichael Hasty, who's kind of competing for his spot. So the running backs are in a, are in a very interesting spot. It's it, but it's it's a good spot, nonetheless. A good spot, nonetheless. Uh, another training camp standout was George Kittle. I mean, I, I mean, I know that doesn't surprise anybody. I mean, it's George fucking Kittle, but he up until this point has kind of just been sporadic in the past game, and that's by no fault of his own. It's just a matter of probably building up that connection with Lance. But he caught he caught at least three or four passes today. Many of them about, you know, five to ten yards. But he kind of just seemed like he was developing that go-to relationship with Trey Lamb. Maybe this is the first practice of, of a few where Lance starts to really favor Kittle, knowing that he gets open quickly, that his routes are kind of near the line of scrimmage, kind of near him. You know, I, I've said this before, but the best friend of a young quarterback is a good tight end. You know, they run their routes closer to the quarterback. Uh, they're usually higher in the progression. 
It's just easier throws to make than a receiver who's usually a little smaller and they're a little further away and they're a little better. They're usually better covered. And, you know, when you have a tight end creating mismatches like George Kittle will, then I could really see him and Trey Lance building a, a pretty solid connection. So that that's kind of seemed like what we got today. And then George, uh, the 49ers today had a one-on-one blitz pickup drill with f- um, the running backs and the tight ends picking up blitzes from the corners and the safeties. And I tweeted this out, but uh, of course George Kittle just absolutely dominates it. I think he went up against Jimmy Ward, uh, Leon O'Neal, and Tarverius Moore and just – Stone stonewalled them all. They they didn't have a shot. And, and even Jimmy Ward gave him a good rep, tried to cut inside. George Kittle blocked it off and then tried to loop it around outside to just kind of run the arc on him and see if he could get to the top of the quarterback. And George Kittle just followed him around and, and was never going to let him get close. So really impressive reps there from George Kittle. It was exactly who you would think would dominate that. And Fred Warner looked good in that drill trying to think of who else i've got all the the reps here i i know i i read through my notes a couple days ago i hope you guys thought that was kind of at least humorous um warner slowly Bree mitchell these are my notes 28 beats 48 i believe that's sermon beating uh, a linebacker 14 beats 49 that is leon o'neill jr beating one of the tight ends I've got my roster right here, but I don't want to waste your guys' time while I just sit here and stare at, at numbers. But So it was a cool little session. I was hoping to see offensive line versus defensive line, but they did not do one-on-ones today other than obviously what you get during team drills. But it's a little hard to keep track of that. So hopefully tomorrow um, – oh, here's a little breaking news for you right in the middle of the podcast per Aaron Wilson. Um, I believe he works for the Pro Football Network 365. Uh, 49ers are signing wide receiver Willie Sneed, which is an interesting signing. Uh, I mean, if you look at the 49ers receivers, I don't necessarily know where they're. I don't necessarily know where that gap is, where they want to plug Willie Sneed in there. Because, I mean, Brandon Ayuk is practicing well. Debo Samuel's practicing well. I mean, easing back into it, but he's practicing well. Uh, Juwan Jennings had a great day of practice today. Caught two passes that were both for about 20 to 30-yard gains. Danny Gray just got done having a great practice. Uh, I, you know, I, maybe they just don't necessarily like what they've seen from uh, the guys towards the bottom of the depth chart, and maybe they feel like they could benefit from having a veteran in there. Because right now, the most veteran receiver they've got is, you know, a mix of Malik Turner, Ray Ray McLeod. I mean, Marcus Johnson's been in the league for six years. So I guess he's the most, I mean, Marcus Johnson is their most veteran receiver. So maybe that's what they're going for. I'm not sure. Willie Sneed's always been a solid player. Obviously, he probably looked, uh, Looked good, and that's why the 49ers have uh, – they did wave wide receiver Taysir Mack earlier. So maybe they were just looking for a, looking for a little switch. Looking for a little switch. Anyways, 
One of the other things I've noticed, I mean, Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, he's been a part of practice. He's being slowly eased into team drills. Him and Trey Lance actually put in a little bit of work after practice, working on their deep passes. I know a couple of the 49ers centers were there hiking the ball to Trey Lance. So it's a little bit of after practice work between centers, quarterbacks, and receivers. I think Ray Ray McLeod was out there too. Um, but Debo Samuel still kind of seems like maybe he's getting he's getting in game shape, which he, he it didn't necessarily look like he came in out of shape at all. It's just different when it comes to getting into training camp shape. Um, I just I, I I'm expecting Debo Samuel's production and in training camp to just slowly ramp up from here. I mean Trey Lance has thrown him a couple passes. A lot of the reps that Debo Samuel has taken have been with the second team. You could tell that he's just being eased into the action. I just wanted to bring this up because I could see if people were like, man, we're just not hearing anything about Debo Samuel and camp making any plays. And he's made plays. He's made catches. Uh, none of them have been too crazy. They've been little chunk plays, 20, 20, 30 yards, you know, little, maybe not even that far, 15, 20 yards. But I, it still looks like he's being eased into the action. Like I said earlier, wasn't quite running fast enough to get underneath that Trey Lance deep ball. But maybe the, the ball could have been thrown a little bit better, a little more on target. So just giving you a little Debo update, I guess you could say, is just it would not surprise me if as camp goes on over these next two practices. And then there are more practices, uh, a couple more after that I won't be here for, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Debo Samuel just slowly starts to trickle into the offense a little more as he becomes – and he still has to build up that relationship with Trey Lance. The thing that we've mentioned but a lot of people don't realize is uh, Brandon Ayuk had multiple throwing sessions with Trey Lance throughout the offseason, and Debo Samuel didn't have any. You know, I'm sure he wanted to distance himself a little bit from the team while he worked through his contract. Um, And that takes a toll. You know, you have to – Brandon IU kind of heads up heads up start on Debo Samuel that that Debo Samuel's got to make up ground now. So interesting element of things, but I do expect Debo Samuel to kind of slowly find his way into the offense and, and earn just a little bit more not trust because I definitely don't think there's any part of Trey Lance that doesn't trust Debo. They just got to get on the same page, uh, and that's why they were doing work after practice. But all right, I think that's it um i kind of like peruse twitter really quick just to make sure there was nothing that i didn't leave off kp kp underscore show friend of the pod posted a uh posted a video of the brandon marshall question to kyle shanahan and i'm sitting right in front of kp you can see my my big head and a black hat um, but it, it, that's a good video of the interaction. So get on KP's Twitter, check that out. It's, it's just a funny interaction between Brandon Marshall and Kyle Shanahan about, you know, the intricacies of play calling and Brandon Marshall giving just a little bit of a uh, insight to that. But all right, well, Hey, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to Strike and Gold. Again, we have two more practices, Saturday and Sunday, that I'm going to be here for, and I will be recording a podcast for you uh, for both of those. I hope you are enjoying the daily uh, updates from 49ers training camp. And I think even when I return back to the Central Valley, even though I won't be at practice, uh, we'll probably still be podcasting at a more rapid rate than 
normal. I think that the the once a week Thursdays published on Fridays are probably a thing of the past. I think we'll probably start doing at least two a week, maybe once on Monday. It's going to be published Tuesday, and then maybe again Thursday going to be published Friday. That that type of deal. But again, hope you're enjoying it. Thank you for enjoying it. Use your words, Robert. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold, guys. I appreciate it. I say it every time. Y'all are the, y'all are the reason this podcast exists. So thank you for listening. Um, and I will. This should be coming to you guys today, hopefully, um, which is what Friday uh, should be coming at you guys today. And then I'll be back on here tomorrow, breaking down tomorrow's practice. Appreciate y'all. Make sure you guys are listening, downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. Tell your friends. Daily training camp updates. And uh, but hey, for another, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Y'all know what it is for another episode. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we're signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.